0: The Fuji Cast.
1: Hello, welcome to episode number 12. Um, this is a very different week this week. I'll explain why in a second. First of all, thank you to our friends at Simpler Straps for letting us give away uh, a military grade rugged camera strap, each to our favourite email question of the week. Um, if you'd like to see their straps, then go to Simpler. I'm using mine now. S I M P L R. Simpler.us. S I M P L R. dot us. I haven't. I, I'm not using the military color though. There is a kind of greeny color. Isn't yeah, that's the that one more. I use. I'm using the. Oh, did you? Yeah, I got the green one. Yeah. You got the green one. Yeah, it's I'm, like an olive color. That's right. Yeah. Like that, a, that's military grade. Military yeah. grade color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So thank you to Simpler. Uh, Remember that all your competition answers and winners, etc. are on the website only at www.fujicast.co.uk. Last week on the ginormous episode that we (laughs) recorded, I forgot really to say the... um, Well, we both forgot really to say the email. Since I got rid of the email effect because people kept moaning about it, (laughs) we're now forgetting to mention the email address. Uh, so it's click at fujicast.co.uk. Your questions are really, really important. Please send them in. There's no guest as such this week. Uh, we're out on the road. A bit of a different episode. We're starting here, and then we'll be out on the road. More of a, It's more of a feature, really, than a guest. We went to see the Don McCullen exhibition as it closed down in London, and um, I thought it'd be fun to, to record something really on the road. So uh, in a moment, you're going to hear on the road. And guess where we end up? <laughs> You can find out in a moment.
2: <laughs> so, should we crack on with the questions? Do you want to go for your, yours? Let's go. yours first? Let's go. So, um, I have, and this will be my simpler it's gotta uh, be. strap it's gotta of be. the week, question yeah. of the week, as we're only doing one. So, this is to um, Louise Y. W-H-Y I shot my first real wedding a few weekdays ago as the primary and only photographer Previously to this I've shot a handful of weddings as a second shooter where I found it easier to capture the moments and concentrate on the light and composition. I really struggled with nerves at this wedding and looking at the images I can see that my creativity was definitely stunted by this So my question is how do you prevent the pressure of the day from making you take boring and safe images? Although the photos are fine and the clients I'm sure will be very happy of course they will be I can't help feeling like I missed a lot of opportunity to make amazing photos. Well,
1: oh, you sound very hard on yourself there as well. Yeah. Don't be hard on yourself. If you yourself. don't mind
2: me saying. Absolutely. Um no, the answer, well, I don't know. Well, from my point of view at least Neil is that um I'm always nervous. I've mentioned this before. You know, I'm always nervous before a wedding, um always a bit anxious. Um but sometimes, you know, this this idea of falling into the trap of taking boring and safe images is a uh, situation of consequence. Sometimes that's really all that happens, you know. Um, You can't always produce magic doesn 't always happen um, and depends on the pedestrian nature of the wedding sometimes that's that 's what 's going to happen so don 't you know don 't worry too much about that in that respect however, I still also find myself um, you know when I like during a drink reception or something like that i 'll actually go to my phone and i 'll scan back through some of my old blog posts and yeah. things and and look at pictures not not necessarily from the same venue that's but just to idea. give me an idea yeah. of stuff that i 've done before. I'll always remember what Tom Stoddart says about getting down your knees. You know, great great photojournalists should always have dirty knees. Um and looking for angles and and you know, this is this is really interesting, okay. So this is something I can't remember whether we spoke about this already. Using audio to to drive your um, photographic senses. Well, you mean you're playing something back into your ears. So consider this. Right. Right. Now, this is something that um, I picked up from Patrick Larock, although not in this context. I've kind of I've I've saw him talk about this, and then I've I've kind of molded it into my own way. You're at a uh, wedding reception. It's drinks reception or maybe it's after the speeches and it's a bit of a lull and, you know, you're you're kind of thinking... That's always the biggest lull, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. there's nothing happening. What yeah. can I do? What can I take pictures of? I don't know. What should I do? So I've done this a couple of times and it works really well. I've taken... I actually use my little Instamic um, recorder, but you can use your mobile phone. Yep. Stick the mobile phone on record audio. Stick it on the table. Sit back. Let it record for two, three minutes. Pick the phone up or the InstaMic, take it outside of the room you're in and listen to the audio. Okay. Now the audio tells you so much about what's going on in that room. The audio will pick up the characters. You'll hear the waitresses clattering things around. You'll hear people laughing. You'll hear kids screaming. You'll hear, uh, you know, just, just the echoey nature. You'll hear uh, any th- things that will be able to tell you a story. Audio in audio that you can then think, right? These are the these are the things I'm going to go and photograph. So connecting that with the who why what where when that we've talked about in the past you know you, you can use that audio to uh, to you know to, to to tweak your mind and and just nudge you in the right direction you know and um, I do it for street photography all the time so if'm I'm, if I'm on a street corner or something i'll just record some audio for a little bit and then listen back to that and then that helps me think about what i'm going to photograph What a great suggestion: it works it's really wow. good.
1: Really I thought you were going to say you have um, an earpiece and you listen to music that might bring the mood on. Many well, that might sound, sound an odd thing, but um, it, it, uh, Sean Tucker um, from a couple of weeks ago, the interview on the uh, on episode nine, wasn't it?
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, was saying um, during our walk around that he said th- that occasionally um, he'll play music when mm. he's just wandering the streets into his ears, not just for the enjoyment of listening to music. But to drive him in his creative process And he finds that um, That ambient The kind of ambient music that you go to mm. um, Copyright free music libraries for Can often be
2: very very good to drive your yeah, I Your do. emotion When I'm shooting on the streets and I'm out a about I use the um, cinematic chill out Section yeah, on exactly. Spotify Yeah oh, yeah.
1: uh, a great idea Yeah, yeah. But going back to the nerves thing though mm. there, there's, That's something I'm not sure you can do an awful lot about it's kind of that's that's what you might call flying hours the more hours you spend up in that cockpit looking down the more you're getting you're getting used to the the feeling of what the whole thing is like to fly yeah the the easier it's going to get
2: yeah yeah, yeah. that's true but not always
1: some actors actually having said that some actors have terrifically i'm trying to think of the really Oh, oh, the name's gone from me, um, male actor, re- oh, never mind. No, no, is it down? Yeah, it does, yeah, about 3,500. But but he, he, I just remember an interview, um, If somebody of, of Anthony Hopkins' stature, but it's not Anthony Hopkins, saying that he still feels the same nerves today as he did the day that he started acting.
2: Hmm.
1: Um, but he uses that as a conduit. He uses that mm-hmm. as something to, because you, you, he's being on edge, he says, is good hmm. for him. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I uh, I I agree. I think you know having that little um tweak of excitement and anxiety adre- adrenaline whatever mm-hmm. it is um is is a good thing. Yeah. So, uh you know, mostly don't don't be too hard on yourself. We yeah. all get we all get nervous. Um well, certainly I do and uh you know, try and do your best to not take boring pictures.
1: Do you remember, um, I think you might have been on the, the same uh, workshop that I was on with um, Jeff Askoff, the Canon, well, he was at the time, Canon ambassador mm-hmm. um, in wedding photography, talking about um, him feeling really, really nervous and actually having to get that first frame away to, uh, oh not no, maybe nervous, but, but you know, feeling that anticipation, mm. but having to get that first frame away
2: in the day to think,
1: Whew. Right, now we can just get on with it
2: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 To be honest with you, the thing I'm most nervous about is getting the right date and time And getting <laughs> to the place on time You know, I still pull up every day to the wedding To the, the bridal reception uh, Bridal prep area or whatever and think right. I found you know. I knock on the door. And what if I what if the answer and say the wrong person? Who sorry? Who are you looking for? <laughs> or, or, or oh no, the wedding was last Saturday. Or you know, no, that's the yeah. things that that kind of. Uh, as soon as I I they answer the door and it's it's mum in her curlers and I can hear. Girls bubbling in the background, and I know then I'm, I relax a
1: bit. You must have been to a venue where they've, um, where, where with a long drive kind of thing, where they they put the names up of uh, of of those that are getting married, and they've just forgotten to take yeah. away yeah. those ones in the day before yeah, or, the, yeah. or a couple of days before. Yeah. And you're driving in thinking, nope, this is not Sharon and Tom. No. This is not yeah. oh, whose wedding is this? That's right.
2: That's happened a couple of times. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right. Um, so strap going to Louise. Why? well done Louise this one is from Chris Hunt um, it's kind of a two part thing this really um, we'll go for the first bit and then um, Chris I hope you I hope you've got a good <laughs> sense of humour for the second part um, hi Neil and Kevin love the podcast really enjoyed the uh, interview with Sean Tucker thank you very much also listen to the longer version on Breathe Pictures oh that's very kind of you um, Sean is such an enigmatic person he is mm, most definitely a really good word to use authentically then. enigmatic Correct. as well yeah uh, my question is about using vintage lenses. I have a Fujifilm XT20. Uh, we talk about vintage quite a lot, I know, but uh, there's no reason why we can't again. Having recently converted to Fuji from an entry-level Nikon or Nikon, I love my camera. It's the one I choose uh, for myself, chose for myself rather than following the advice of other people. I have two lenses: 18-55 28 superb lens. I use that for filming,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the 55 to 200. I'm still relatively new to the game, and I still have tons to learn. Love the idea of fitting vintage lens to my camera. Wonder if you could tell me how to go about it and what sort of lenses would be a good choice. I believe you can pick up some decent glass for a reasonable price, which you certainly can.
0: Hmm.
2: Now, you've you've used
1: vintage lenses.
2: I have, um, mostly on my GFX, um, or on the other GFX. Hmm. Um, You need an adapter, basically, if you're going to use a vintage lens. And there are loads and loads and loads of them out there, and they are often very cheap as well. You know the um, is it the Canon MFDs? Are they they call the MFD lenses mm, uh, sure. manual focus something or other. Right. Um, there, there's I've got uh, I've got like three or four. Minutes Our friend lenses. Alan Gump, uh, fact Alan checker. Gump Alan, will tell, tell us please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Expect a stream of emails from Alan now. Good health, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Alan. Um, <laughs> <coughs> yeah. So yeah, you need an adapter. Uh, but you know, you you can get those on eBay, um, Amazon, and then yeah, whatever. I mean, it's it's, it's quite a, a wide question, really. You yeah. you can use them. You will, dependent on the um, the type of lens, depends on the the kind of distortion you might get, any kind of um, afflictions to the lenses. But yeah, have fun. Uh, and we've mentioned it in the past. Jonas Jonas Raski's got a whole section on his website about yeah. um, uh, legacy lenses and. You know his, his stuff's great yeah,
1: it's worth going to jonas 's website for that mm. isn't it definitely yeah. if, you, if you haven't been there already yeah um, chris sometimes when um when we're looking th- uh, well certainly when i 'm looking through the questions for for the podcast um i'll be sit, sat, sat there um often in our our family room um a lot of the time when i 'm reading through questions i'm i'm sat there with the family all around me and and, uh, and uh, I must admit, I, uh, I was looking through this one from Chris, and there was a second part to this email. Oh, right. <laughs> and it said, I have a little request. <laughs> Neil, could you please stop interrupting Kevin when he's talking? I find it incredibly annoying and irritating. He doesn't get to say many words before you jump in and cut across him with some rubbish. <laughs> Fortunately, he can pick up his thread again and carry on. I'm sorry, but I think I have to mention it. Did I ever
2: tell you about the time that I I went to?
1: (laughs) Kevin is probably too polite to say anything. There we go. From Chris. Now, as I was reading it, my first reaction was, "Oh, (laughs) rubbish!" (laughs) Ouch! Thanks very much. And then my little Thomas, our little uh, youngest son Thomas, said, "That reminds me of the interrupting sheep joke." Yes. Do you remember the
2: interrupting sheep joke? Who's there? The interrupting cow. Interrupting. And here There we go. <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. So we mark. don't have interrupting sheep in Wales.
1: Not knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Theresa May. <laughs>
2: Interrupted Theresa May.
0: Brexit <laughs> means Brexit. Not <laughs> uh,
2: knock. knock. Uh, who's there? Interrupting sheep. Interrupting sheep. <laughs>
1: <here>. <laughs> Chris, point noted. I'm going to um, file that one. You get a strap, by the way, Chris. I'm awarding you the strap because actually I thought I liked the vintage question. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit of fun because um, we sat in the, the family room and we did interrupting sheep jokes for around about half an hour. Really? We could actually make it last that long. Yeah. This week, um, a very different end to the show. Um, we we decided to do this one um, on location. And while we talk about on location, by the way, we've stuck a date in for Brighton, haven't we? we have it's it's a bit further away than we thought it was going to be i've got the diary here it's going to be in september yes and it's on tuesday the 10th i think um it's just after the summer holidays we'll all look i'm kev will because because he goes you go away for a month you look Uh sickeningly well and tanned and ready to go for another year alcohol drained <laughs> so Tuesday, yeah, 10th. Tuesday the tenth. Did you? You've got some bright mentions down there. Do you uh, want to, do you want to yes, run through yeah. a few of those? So
2: um, Keith Martin up for chips on the pier and a Dolphin Derby oh, challenge. Definitely. Mm. Yes. A what challenge? Dolphy Derby. What's that? Dolphin. No. <laughs> Dolphin Derby challenge. Dolphin Derby challenge. Say that really fast. Dolphin
1: Derby challenge. Sounds like Dolphy. That's what Dolph- I said. Dolphy. What is a Dolphin Derby challenge? <laughs> Go on, then. Keep reading. I'm going to look up Dolphin Derby Um, Challenge Derby. That was Keith. Oh, Dolphin Derby Brighton Pier. It's not a real thing, is it? It is. Look. Here we go. Oh, my God. Brighton Pier Ah, Dolphin Race. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's a
1: video on it. What's the... the There we go. It's like the horses they used to have. Oh, right. So everybody lines up here. And the dolphins, they set off. Look.
2: Yeah, and then you gotta throw a little ball. You throw the balls up the up the thing in front of you, and I'm the more you your balls that. the balls fall in the holes, right. the faster your dolphin will go.
1: God, oh, that guy's very good at it. Look that one's well out in front.
2: Yeah, but they always come from behind at the end. The dolphin. The dolphin <laughs> Look at that one. Anyway, yeah. So well, that's uh, the dolphin challenge Aaron Russell um, Yes I live in the Midlands And come from Brighton And don't get down enough So a Brighton walk around With both of you guys 10th of September 10th awesome. of September And uh, we shall um, put more plans in place For that of course yeah. um, Well that gives us
1: three months To find some friends Four months to correct. find
2: some friends Correct yes yeah. And to tell wives um, <laughs> So we will we will, um, Yeah we'll do a photo walk And chat And a couple of drinks And yeah. stuff Fish and chips Have to do fish and chips Fish and chips And Definitely. a Dol- Dolphin
1: Derby walk um, oh, I think we mentioned it A couple of uh, weeks ago, do do you remember when um, Facundo and Patrick were photographing with us, well they were photographing we were watching in awe I think and uh, there was that uh, that family that came out with a portion of chips and and they literally got mugged mugged by the seagull No,
2: No, not the seagull, don't you say seagull
1: by the gull, there's no such thing as a seagull no such thing as a seagull All right, come on, Alan. Alan, yes, fact check that one for us. <laughs> Alan, you've you've just become unofficial fact checker for this. Uh, try saying that quickly for, yeah. <laughs> for the show. It's certainly a case of light and shade this week on the on the podcast. First part in studio as ever. Uh, the second part on location in London. Three stroke, four of us in the end took in the Don McCullin retrospective at Tate Britain, the most extensive show of his work Kev, I've personally encountered. Taking in early work, Berlin, Cyprus, the Republic of Congo, Biafra, Vietnam, Cambodia, the East End, Northern Ireland, Bradford and the North, Bangladesh, Beirut, Iraq, the AIDS pandemic, India, southern Ethiopia, and then his landscapes and still life. You'll hear in the second part the voices of myself, Kevin, obviously, Michael Schilling, a successful studio photographer in the city, and Canon Ambassador Sanjay Jogi. Now, I wasn't sure how we'd be able to tackle that in what is essentially at heart a chat show with your letters and emails each week. So we thought we'd do a kind of audio tour and read you some of the great man's thoughts from the exhibitions guide, peppered with our own reactions as we toured the exhibition. We were in there hours, uh, but you won't hear hours of comments from us, because as anyone who's visited this exhibition will probably tell you, there's there's a definite requirement just to just a view, and it's hard to gather at the time Eloquent thoughts whilst your senses are coming to terms with the subject matter before you So apologies if some of the sound quality isn't as easy to hear But we've done our very best in post-production For, for this, the second part of this week's podcast The Don McCullin Exhibition You cannot imagine the shame that I have to live with Thinking about those men who cried Thinking I could stop the execution, which I could never do. And um, I go into my dark room and make these prints and they come up in the developer and I, I relive those days. I, I didn't invite these things to, to come into my photographic life. And quite frankly, um, thank God I still have the, the courage to admit to my shame. I feel ashamed of a lot of my photography. It never cured anything, or it never stopped another war. Don McCullen, talking to journalists and an audience in 2013. McCullen grew up in North London, in Finsbury Park, where he was introduced to photography in what he describes as an accidental manner. He photographed the gangs that he'd gone to school with, including members of a particular gang in the city known as the Governors. The gang were implicated in an infamous murder of a policeman, and McCullin's photographs of this gang first brought him to the attention of Fleet Street and his intuitive and instinctive ability behind the lens, which was what started him on his way. 250 prints are on display, and the curator Simon Baker introduces you immediately to those North London images. i personally pored over these pictures so many times, mainly through the pages of McCullin's In England book. My own mother and father grew up not far from Seven Sisters Road, the canvas, it seems, for many of those early images. For me, and for Kevin, the power and currency of nostalgia is immediately evident.
2: <laughs> but I think, you know, like, what I think about this kind of stuff is, if somebody entered that into competition, they would slate it, right? Because, you know, they don't have the, they don't have the, the idea, they don't have the understanding of the power of nostalgia. Um, yeah. And, you know, when people moan about, everybody in the street all they're doing is on their mobile phone They should still take pictures because in 20 30 years time they will look at those pictures and then they'll think oh, do you remember when everything was like that but that's
1: your argument for all those that ridiculous banning of, of street photography at the moment is there's gonna be nothing to see in 30 years time because because nobody would have been making any pictures which seems bizarre doesn't it when you think of Instagram yeah <laughs> What's even more extraordinary about this exhibition is the fact that McCullen has printed all these images himself. And as the guide points out, the photographer is forced to revisit these what's described as painful memories time and time again through this process.
2: It's like all the pictures that you see from India now, where they have the, oh, um, when the, people grizi- go, the yeah. grizzly old men and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know, the, 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 the monks. And if you turn around, there will be 45 photographers taking exactly the exact same yeah. position picture and then they what all give him 10 rupees. But that oh, just
1: becomes so. poverty
2: tour, a photographic poverty tour as well. There was one, I don't know if it won an award or not, but it was one, it was a fisherman on the Ganges. And it was, you know, beautiful picture in early you know, dawn yeah. throwing his nets in the water, he had the big fears and everything. And then there was a wider picture, and there was at least 30 people sat on a jetty taking pictures I think I saw that picture with a a guide saying go you know throw the net now Uh, and you know I mean I don't know if that would you not you'd still take that picture some people go for their own pleasure for that and that's fine but you can't pass it off as as authentic you have to you have to just put it on your wall and admire it for what it is rather than Mm. put it on Instagram and say look what I got Look how good I am, because somebody else
3: has organised it and you
1: paid for it. it. comments that he was sitting on the biggest story in the world in 1961, when he witnessed with camera in hand the East Germans building the Berlin Wall, as he describes it, breeze block by breeze block. You know, when you look at pictures of a wall being built?
0: <laughs>
2: History repeating itself yeah isn't it just it's like we're walking through a a timeline of our own time there funny enough those people the eastern people look happier than the western people
0: yeah
1: And so we continued around the exhibition through Cyprus, which McCullen says introduced him to empathic feeling, the first time he felt able to share other people's emotional experiences. This 1964 photographic tour yielded his first images of conflict, prior to vicious and cruel fighting in the Congo in that same year, where in his words, evil men prevailed. We all fell silent looking at the horrors of Biafra, the starvation, the genocide, the complete humanitarian crisis caused by what is now known as the Nigerian Civil War. But it was because of the work of photographers such as McCulloch that the world knew about the crisis. And this was the same in places like Vietnam. As McCulloch says, looking at what others cannot bear to see is what my life as a war reporter is all about. For me, I think some of the most harrowing pictures where the photographer seems to know the fate of those before his camera. But he still faces the certainty head-on photographically by remaining close to them, and faithfully, empathically telling their story, even when, as we noted through these pictures, as taunted prisoners, their fate is execution, sometimes within minutes of a frame being made. It's quite something, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't imagine now you wouldn't have access to this kind of picture, would you? No focal length. I'm looking at this as a kind of almost like a 24mm focal length. He's right in their faces, isn't he? Um, You know, looking into the eyes of men that are just about to be executed. This guy here looks like he's just about to essentially pistol whip him. If, as an international listener to this podcast, you're not aware of McCullin's work, the chances are, I think you will have been touched by one of his pictures without even knowing it. He's one of the most important, I believe, photographers to have ever walked this planet, and that's a grand statement, I know. He wears the scars both physically and emotionally, and it's true that he prints darker with each reprint. Michael commented to us that he's sure has seen these pictures in a much lighter, obviously not carefree sense. McCullen says the darkness is in him, and you can witness this in his printing. If you haven't seen this particular exhibition, it's too late, but there'll be others. His work and his life is just too important. His library of work is extensive, and his books, well, let's just say if you're a photojournalist, I'm sure you have at least one volume in your possession. McCullin writes that he wants people to view his pictures, not to reject them through discomfort or fear. Not all, but many are, of course, atrocity pictures but the importance is the voice he creates for those in the pictures. He comments that he wants to somehow seduce people into lingering for longer when they look at them. And this is the important bit. So they go away not with an intimidating memory, but with a conscious obligation. We departed the exhibition, and Kevin made the comment that he felt exhausted, and I agreed. I don't think I've been to an exhibition before where I've felt that way at the end. We needed release, and usually for Mullins, that's a book purchase. And actually, I learned something about Cartier-Bresson on the way that I was completely unaware of. It's a bit noisy out in the lobby, but stretch your ears. Make the effort. It's worth it. Yeah, the danger now is you're going to look at a book. He's
0: buy some oh, books. Books.
2: Books. <laughs> You've that not got a bag big a enough for books. Yeah. And you know, do you know the story? of The decisive moment. Do you know, what do you think the decisive moment is? No, I would imagine it's that moment you decide to press the
1: shutter when you see the thing happening before your eyes. No, no. no. Okay. So, so. Henri
2: Cartier-Bresson. The book is called The Decisive Moment, right, on the Cartier-Bresson, but actually it's a translation. And the French, the original French translation is, I think, something like photography with movement. And it was translated to The Decisive Moment. And now, the Magnum Foundation are trying to educate people to impo- you know to basically yeah, say he that a of he time. didn't he never b- and never was promoted no exactly he actually said yeah, this. yeah well he did a whole book called contact sheets you know with everything so he never, oh, so he never said so that no it was a translation and so magnum and they're trying to because there's a lot of negativity about cardiac and that caught that phrase yeah. and everybody going but hang on he never did that and say you know and they're like yeah well he never actually
0: said there's that a shot of the guy over the puddle with the ballerina yeah. In the background and all that people say it and he said yeah I set that up yeah. that wasn't by luck but yeah.
1: uh, well, here's that picture Hold on i saw it i went past it just because you mentioned it i thought oh there we go
2: yeah that's it yeah because he's trying to replicate that you see in the background most people don't notice that
1: yeah Hmm. i never knew that and finally this week the proper debrief in one of london's oldest pubs the last one in this town to host a particular kind of bar fighting apparently a good few years back. It felt almost appropriate and a rather warped sense having started McCullen's journey on the tough streets of North London. These days it's an altogether friendlier place. The pints come in fancier glasses with fancier prices. We just thought we'd meander a bit with some thoughts and you're welcome to stay with us for the next 15 minutes or so. Or you can allow us the privacy of a, a private-ish pint or two. There's a much longer version of this, which I don't think is appropriate today, but it's in the can, if you will, for a longer Christmas edition, maybe. Kev, Michael, I, w- I just want to start off with um, your feelings about Don McCullen, the exhibition this, this afternoon. Whether it, whether it makes you feel like you, you just want to give up now or whether you think
2: that inspires me to do better. Yeah, for me, it was... I've seen a lot of the pictures before and it's always, it's always a pleasure to see it. But it's always an eye-opener because you realise pretty much how how the world is, has been, and how it could be in the future. Yeah, but you you were really disturbed
1: by mm. by humanity and the way that that people treat each other.
2: Yeah, and uh, but not so much because I knew you know I'd seen those pictures and I knew I, I know how bad the world has been. And, and, and don't get me wrong I'm a big believer in the fact that the world now is a much better place than it ever has been you know we live in this world of doom and gloom and the world is terrible and we're all going to die and terrorism and people often say this stuff don't they and then you look at back back at the middle ages where yeah. we used to burn people just for uh, exactly we, we live in a better world now than ever before period I believe that strongly but it doesn't stop me thinking actually there is a lot of uh, hatred and a lot of upset in the world much of it actually is is not necessarily from a from a war period
1: it's 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 from just capturing the moment as it is now and we, we could do that
2: today yeah we could do it today and we should do it today but unfortunately we would get stopped from doing it today generally yeah,
1: that's one of the problems isn't it because we have mm. talked about this that the privacy laws
2: today might mean that we don't have these pictures in 30 40 years time no, exactly, and you know, of course, he's commissioned to do that stuff, and people will continue to be commissioned to do that stuff. But you know, when you look at uh, the the stuff from like Derby and the homeless people in uh, was it Oldgate and all of those places, you know, can, realistically now, if you do that kind of stuff, you you know, you not that you necessarily get in trouble, but you you feel subconsciously like you're stealing something like you're doing something a little bit dodgy you're looking, doing something a little bit dangerous and actually if it weren't for those pictures that he t- he's taken and other people have taken we'd have no documented history of that stuff I, you know I challenge anybody to walk around that Don McCollum exhibition today and not actually halfway around think I want to leave that's what I wanted to do I wanted to leave because it was it's hard to look at you know it's, it's, it's bloody hard to look at and you know the photography is amazing and, and it's it's interesting when you look at the way that the exhibition is curated and the pictures that you know you start with of course it's chronological mostly but not entirely because you go from the 90s to the um, to the de- the African desert in 2014 2016 um, and so you're li- he's lit The curator of that exhibition is leading you from uh, the the origins of his photography through the really harrowing, horrible stuff, and gently, like gently, giving you the exit route, which is the nicer, softer pictures. And some of those are not necessarily in chronological order. Those nicer, softer pictures are not are not
1: softer though, are they? I mean, look at those pictures of him taking taking images in his shed of things like mushrooms. (laughs) i mean those those are desperate pictures of somebody I, I saw some who, of who spent so long at war
0: 20 years ago um, when i was a student and he was doing those spanish still life style pictures in somerset in his shed and they were so dark and he just printed all of his retrospective and then he'd done these really dark still lives and we talked about what if we'd viewed this exhibition backwards? What if we'd seen all these yeah, dark yeah, yeah, landscapes, and yeah, yeah. dark still life? Yeah. How would how do we explain the person yeah. who created those? And maybe the exhibition did explain the person who created those.
1: Sanjay Jogia.
3: I've seen some of Don's things, and I, I've seen some bits that he's done for for Canon recently. He's done some things with uh, Clive Booth while he was in India. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, you know his 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 approach to the world uh, and seeing the world it's incredibly refreshing it's incredibly to a certain degrees innocent considering how much he's seen that's the exact opposite it's it's fascinating that he has this this approach to his photography and um you know that that very simplistic approach to to people and a, a, a moment and, and you know earlier on kevin was saying that when you when you see something and it kind of feels like you're stealing something i i, I think that's I think that's our right as photographers uh, for journalistic portrait, whatever it is. If you don't steal that moment, no one will get it. It's gone.
2: No, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. But, you know, the, the fact is the world we live in and the PC world we live in and uh, um, the legal world we live in and the rights uh, and they're being eradicated from us, you know, totally. And yet, you know, Neil and I were talking about this yesterday and... We we're in his car talking about it and he's got a dash cam that's filming everybody on the street the uh, CCTV everywhere you know you get on a bus there's CCTV everything yeah the, the governments and the people that be are like no 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 you can't and you know you walk out if we walk out this pub now and try and go and take a, a picture of somebody on the street you know they'd be like why are you taking our picture and and actually the fact is well we, we can right now can't we, can. we in this country we can do you can, it you couldn't if you were in France no correct and that's that will come our way but but the fact is regardless of where you are it, you know you will lose these, these entire pockets of history will go away because we're not allowed. we will not be allowed to do it or not necessarily not allowed to do it but you'll feel uncomfortable the fact is the people will look at you yeah. and their first thought is that you will be taking a picture of them for negative reasons exactly marketing Facebook whatever I don't want my picture to be on whatever
0: I, I, I walked across London Bridge today with a, a tiny tiny little 360 camera on a stick everybody looked at me
3: But I, I think this is the contradiction you know we're, we're, we're all being surveyed the whole time with CCTV and dash cams and whatever security cameras constantly and it's it's against our will you know we're being we're being filmed and photographed against our will
2: is it necessarily against your will though like my my opinion is that if you're not doing anything wrong I I, I totally understand security and I you know I respect I respect that I respect that you know there are shoplifters in the world and there are bad things that happen so I'm not worried about it but the fact is, if you you know, if you if you go and shoot on the street, you are immediately seen as a uh, some kind of possible predator or, or negative thing. And, and if you go back in time uh, and you take a picture, and then you fast forward 30 years, those pictures become nostalgia, and we will lose we will lose that nostalgia. It will just go. It will just disappear. And and losing nostalgia is is my greatest fear.
3: The most common issue with photography and history and. And memory is, um, you know, it it gains value after the fact.
2: Yeah, of course.
3: Yeah, which is why we need to protect what we do deliberately.
2: And that's why we smile at moments later. You know, we don't, we don't. You know, I've said it a million times. Take a picture of people on the street, and they're looking at their mobile phones, and you think that's a boring picture. But in 20 years' time, that'll be an interesting picture. You know, and we're losing that ability and that right. Uh, and, and actually, it's Sanjay's San
1: hit the nail on the head there hasn't he because we said actually during during, yeah. during this exhibition that um, the pictures that Don McCullum was making weren't necessarily pictures for the moment these these, these were images made for 20, 30, 40 years on absolutely yeah
3: this, this is what we're used to doing for us it's second nature uh, and, and we're there to to capture the moment for the moment, but also for the future, for future generations, and and all of us have sat and looked through photographs of uh, you know of our parents or, or relatives or brothers sisters, um, whether it's a family photograph from our birthdays when we we're younger or you know our parents' wedding albums, and we look back at these things with fondness, uh, and and you know we, we, we somehow we always look at it and think oh those are simpler times. Yeah. Um, I mean let's face it I, I, us guys we've all grown up in very comp- in a very complex world um, there's no such thing as a simple time but it's just that perception and uh, you know I, as I said before it's our, I think it's our duty to make sure that we we protect the industry and protect our right to be able to yeah. capture it and, and as I said steal these moments even if it feels like we're stealing something protect history completely because that's
2: what it is but do you think uh, like I, I have this feeling about wedding photography that um you know recently a couple of times has happened to me people have said to me i don't want you taking pictures of me at weddings actually mostly about their kids which is fair enough i get it
0: is it a control thing are people actually saying don't take my picture less than they did do 10 years ago or five years ago or is it that i know how i want to look like i want to be in control of my image i don't want you to take my picture
2: I reckon, right, we're in the, the, the Flag and Lamb in Covent Garden, right? And why is the Flag and Lamb? It's my favourite pub in London. Right, okay. It's also the last pub in England that had live fights. Uh, uh, Bare knuckle fighting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, maybe London, I'm not but sure. But until tonight. I'm fairly sure they still do it in Murthy Titville. <laughs> which is not technically in England, but I'm fairly sure they still do it. Anyway. The the thing is right. If I if I stood on this, if any one of us stood on my on this chair now, yeah, and said I'm going to take a great big group picture of everybody in the flag and the lamp tonight, what would they say? Every single one of them would go, "Ray, put their hands up and go, whoa, whoa, whoa." Yeah. However, if you went up to one person at the bar and said, "I'd like to take a picture of you in the pub, please," he'd be like, "Why? Why were you doing that? Yeah. Why are you doing that?" And there's no difference between the content. But it's the implication, the 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 intonation of why you're taking that picture is the worry.
3: How much of that's London? Perhaps. Because if I think if you go to a pub in Manchester, for example,
1: and you did that. So you think in Manchester it'd be worse or I think it'd be friendlier. Friendlier,
3: yeah. No, I get that. I I, I do get that of And, in and don't get places. me wrong, I'm a Londoner. I love London. I absolutely love London. Yeah, yeah. But I also I'm, I'm a realist and I understand that. Attitudes are different. Londoners are made up of all sorts of cultures and people visiting for work and people who've moved here from. But is it not the
2: way? Is it not the way that it seems? Whether, whether it's real. But is it not the way that it seems to be going?
3: I actually agree with you. Um, But that's what I think. The dynamic. It's a dynamic that that fascinates me. You know, is it a London thing? Is it just because that's the attitude and the vibe over here? Or I think it would
2: be the same thing in in the Three Cups in Mumsbury if I, Kevin, Kevin, I know all the people in the Three Cups in Mumsbury. You know, I, I think you're wise, worried. you worried. I have a beer with them for breakfast most days. <laughs> you're worried.
1: <laughs> you do. You're worried that street photography is is uh, yeah. It, it,
2: it, it, is is on its last legs. Yeah, it does worry yeah. me. And, and, uh, and how does that affect wedding photography? I think it's the next it, no. Not the next thing. You know, look, we work as documentary wedding photographers. Right, hang on, Michael's off. Michael's are you, are you leaving. Who are you buying another beer? He's, He's going.
1: going
0: for a bit, all right. I'll get a the beer sounded better.
1: Is it your round or is it our... It's my round. No, but you did buy it. the Don McCullin tickets.
0: No, that's fine. You're having a San Miguel and we're all pro.
1: Is, is Sanjay having a San Miguel? Yeah. He's kind of gone up marker on us, hasn't he? Is San Miguel up marker on.
3: It goes higher up. Martin. It does. Yeah. Some, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Like
2: 18 pound for three beers. Yeah. Well, we are in London. Sanjay loves yeah. London.
3: Is that not? Would you not feel comfortable that's living? It. Is it? What? Uh, that's the flag in, in and Lamb cov- for you. Lamb and flag. The, look, the fact that I could buy around and still do the, you know, the tap. Of, what's it called? Contactless. That's amazing. You know, if you go to a bar you, you, could, you probably couldn't even do a contactless payment with, with one, one drink
2: so what do you think about the Canon EOS R
0: this is the wrong time I, I, I went to the toilet I got some drinks
1: can I just ask one final question it might be my last question because I can hear the public is getting more and more noisy But I'd, so we'll need to get close to the microphone with these answers But i wanted to ask you all about the um the future of photography and 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 with cameras getting better and better and iphones and and android phones becoming better and better do we do we feel challenged
0: we've been taking studio portraits for 150 or 160 or 170 years and that business will change and it will evolve and it'll be different it'll be wonderful it'll be
3: amazing is the end is the end night um no yes and no i it's <laughs> no i think it's changing it's evolving it's it's becoming a different animal and i think the nature of it's changing just in the same way that the nature of society and the nature of expectations of people are changing we have to adapt we can't we can't expect to operate in the same way uh, as photographers have always operated Um, you know photography has changed as in cameras have changed faster than i think the photographic culture has changed
2: you sound like david attenborough a bit we're at that situation where i have this phone in front of me it takes it takes phenomenal pictures and you know we're, 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 we're at that point you know like APS-C sensors uh, uh, full frame sensors like there's physics involved there's science involved and you know you, you, you have to you have to look at the camera manufacturers of all brands and they must be in little rooms all around the world
3: thinking what the hell can we do next I think for the certainly for the foreseeable future um Photography will be certainly should be um, preoccupied by dynamic range because it, there was this, there was a there was a period where everyone was just obsessed by resolution. Yeah. And resolution is it's it's a red but it's herring. Still happening. It's a, it's a red herring. You know, it's it's for the consumer market and mobile phone manufacturers like Huawei and Samsung and everyone everyone else who makes mobile yeah. phones will will quote megapixels because people think they understand that and then what they don't understand is actually what's important is a dynamic range and most people won't understand what that means
2: it's important to us yeah but the marketing people know that's what sells i think it's
3: it's my round
1: michael reminded us as sanjay got the next in that over 100 years ago talking of progress kodak's george eastman said if we continually make improvements to our products every year Our competition will never be able to keep up. Today we went to an exhibition where the photographer we were frankly in awe of once said, it doesn't matter what camera you give me, I'll be able to make the pictures. We'll save the rest of this for a pubcast special, perhaps a new concept to the show. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Keep your questions coming in to click at fujicast.co.uk. Sanjay Jogia, Canon Ambassador, is a guest on next week's podcast, because this episode has proved one thing – Photography is not necessarily about brand, it's about the photograph, and we believe in a genuine sense that as this podcast grows, it becomes as much about photography as the box from which we make the pictures that we just happen to love. My thanks to Kevin, to Michael, to Sanjay, to you, but most of all to McCullen, because without important creators like him, many of us just wouldn't be doing this today, or more importantly, learning about the world in which we live. The theme for this show is from Blue Wednesday with additional music this week from Josh Leake, Muted and Doug Kaufman, licensed and used with permission from Artlist. Other show notes are on www.fujicast.co.uk.
0: Fujicast